0: Jess from The Project Room. Author and National Book Award winner Jesmyn Ward recently visited The Project Room for a conversation with me about our current theme, How Are We Remembered? Ward's memoir, Men We Reaped, is a heartbreaking story that pays tribute to four young men in her life who died too young. More than that, however, the book shines a light on current problems we still face regarding race, class, wealth, and geography. I chose to focus our conversation on the ideas of legacy and heroes, two things we are talking and writing about these days at the Project Room. Thanks for listening. So, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, So congratulations on the book. Thank you. Well, I loved both books, Salvage the Bones and Men We Reaped, and I found them different in many ways, but I actually wanted to talk about some sort of bigger questions about setting mm-hmm. first. And um, we've been having these conversations in the project room about how we're remembered and tying it back to uh, where you're from. Mm-hmm. And I found that your writing deals a lot with not only hometown, but there's a, a lot of mention of homesickness mm-hmm. and how, what that emotional connection is like. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what that means to you and what that is all about? It seems like it plays a strong role in your writing
1: it does you know I am um, you know I, I when I left for college I left Mississippi for college and went west you know I went to Stanford and so um, and so it was there that I realized even though you know before I left I thought I can't wait to get out of here right mm-hmm. um, and, um, and you know there was so much about Mississippi that really frustrated me mm. um, that I just really couldn't wait to leave and then when I left suddenly I was homesick, <laughs> you know, and I think that um, that and and so then after college, then I went to I went back home for a while, and then I moved to New York City, and then from New York City, then I moved to Michigan, and then I, and then I was there for Michigan in Michigan for three years, and then I moved back home again mm-hmm. for two years, and then I left again and went back to the Bay Area in California, um, and and the entire time I, I thought I I once thought that the homesickness would abate, you know, that mm-hmm. I'd just become accustomed to being away from, you know, my family, which is, my family is really important to me. I thought I'd become accustomed to being away from my family, and then also to living outside of that, of the community that I, that you know, that, mm-hmm. that is so close-knit, um, and, you know, where everyone knows everyone, that most of those families have lived there for generations. so. But And I thought that I'd be okay, you know, in the outside world, mm-hmm. like, living without that. But then, um, you know, the homesickness didn't abate. And if anything, you know, as I got older, um, and um, it got worse, you know? And so huh. it, it is something... The first time that I realized that it was popping up in my books, right, that, that I was wrestling with ideas of home um, and of, you know, homesickness was when I wrote a, a, a short story called Cattle Hall. And mm-hmm. It was published um, in a public space literary magazine. And, and so when I was writing that short story, that's what I was thinking about. I was, I was you know, the, the theme of it for me was like, w- was, you know, concerned home and a character's yearning for home mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, a character's sort of constant attempts to return to a home that in some ways doesn't exist. You know it's this idealized version of home mm. and I think because I was wrestling with all of that at the time um and then and then I realized that again that I was you know really thinking about ideas of home and then also funneling them into my work in some kind of way and salvage the bones maybe less explicitly than in Men We Reaped but I was thinking about them because of Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. right and so Hurricane Katrina really made me think about those issues because i suddenly i realized that that everything that i loved you know that everything that meant home to me so this includes the place the landscape and the people that all those things could be taken away by a natural disaster you know like mm-hmm. that the, these these things suddenly they weren't hypothetical you know they weren't doomsday scenarios they were real and present after Hurricane Katrina. Luckily, I didn't lose anyone that I loved, but definitely the place um, and the landscape was completely transformed mm. right and, and so much of what I had loved about that um, was gone. Um, mm. and, so, and so I think that that's one that Hurricane Katrina really affected me and made um, you know made me write about those ideas, I think, in Salvage the Bones, right. Um, you know, especially in the in the Hurricane Katrina chapter, and in that last chapter, right, where the the characters are walking through this really desolate landscape, and um, and so and realizing, you know, how that their ideas of home now have to change for, you know, now mm-hmm. will change forever, and, and trying to figure out how to adapt to that and how to process that, and then I explicitly, you know, speak about those things in *Men We Reach because I, you know, I talk about. I talk about you know my own you know homesickness and um, you know and, and how I was always attempting to ret- always attempting to return um, and then of course dealing with dealing with loving a place and wanting to return to a place that I loved and hated in equal measure hmm it's not so straightforward mm-hmm. in other words no
0: so I mean can you talk about? what it is that pulls you back? You mentioned family, but, you know, and then talking about the identity of a place mm-hmm. being tied to its visual attributes mm-hmm. or its landscape, and then that being totally changed, and what's, mm-hmm. what's left of the identity yeah. of a place. So what, what are the things that, that are positive that, that mm-hmm. do draw you back? Mm-hmm. Family is obviously one. Yeah,
1: family is ob- obviously one. Um, and when I say family, I think I like to tell people that, um, you know, I my immediate family, so I have one brother, two sisters, you know, um, both of my sisters have had children. Mm-hmm. but then I'm not, I don't mean just that when I talk about family. Um, my mom's mom has i can't I don't even know the correct number, but she has <laughs> something crazy like eleven siblings. And so all of their kids. And then all of their kids have kids, you know, so Mm -hmm. I have a really large extended family and that's just my mom's mom. That's not my mom's dad or, you know, that doesn't even include their, you know, those Mm -hmm. parts of my family. So that's what I mean when when family draws me back. And Mm -hmm. I like to give people like a clear idea Um, just if I count my mom's mom like her sisters and brothers their kids and their kids there are over 200 of (laughs) them. oh my goodness so that's you know that's what I mean when I say family and so that always draws me back um and I talk, I and I think you know maybe this is important to me as a writer maybe I'm more conscious of this as a writer or maybe because I'm a writer I talk about it more I'm talking circles but the the landscape has always drawn me back there's something about I mean, I've been to different places where I can clearly appreciate the beauty of, of those landscape mm-hmm. of, of those landscapes you know and and then something in me responds to them right mm-hmm. but there's something about the landscape at home, and maybe it's just because I grew up there, you mm-hmm. know it feels like it's a part of me, you know the the bayous and the and the you know and the pine woods and the you know the the, the flat gulf and the mm-hmm. rivers and I mean all of those things. Those things seem very familiar, and and yeah, like like they're a, a, like they're a part of me. I, I, and maybe because they're a they those images make up so much of make up so much of my of the way that I express myself, mm. I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and and you know, like my writing is very um, rooted in in place, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm always trying to find different ways to express that landscape and express what it's like down there, so maybe that's another reason why the landscape always works. Yeah, it
0: definitely plays a yeah. prominent role in your, in your work, and it's very descriptive, yeah. so the reader actually, you know, has a strong sense of yeah. place. Yeah. yeah, so, and also it seems like a lot of people helped in the mm-hmm. writing of this work. I don't right. know so much about Salvage the Bone mm-hmm. in, in that way, but yeah. um, is that, is that an important part of your process, or was it just necessary for this particular topic? Or has that always been that, that kind of mm, part Probably it's do. not really
1: a part of my process. Mm-hmm. Although, sometimes, um, you know, I mean, say with Salvage the Bones, when I was writing about Hurricane Kashmina, there were some things that I, you know, say would like ask my sisters, mm-hmm. so I'd ask them to like verify certain things, mm-hmm. because I knew that I would remember something one way, but I didn't know if it was correct, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, so I did some of that with the homes but not a lot, um, you know, fiction is easier for me in that respect, because, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm so great at, you know, at doing that kind of research, you know, so, mm-hmm. so it's nice that I don't have to do so much of it in fiction, but in Men We Reek, it really was, um, an important part, it, it, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to write the book mm-hmm. without the, Without the, without the help of, you know, of so many different people in my in my community mm-hmm. and in my family, you know, who'd share their stories with me because I, the um, picture that I had, um, you know, it just, it needed, those pictures needed to be more well mm-hmm. fleshed out, you know? Like, I knew, um, you know, of course, everything about my brother, that's all for me, mm-hmm. you know? Most of the, the, the stuff about, um, about my cousin, about CJ, a lot of that is for me. But then I had to rely on my sister, you know? Mm-hmm for a good bit of information about him and then for the you know the other three young men my friends like a lot like the the scene work you know mm-hmm. that's all me I lived all, all of that with them but sometimes you know th- there's plenty in there that that occurs that I had no idea that was occurring at the time mm-hmm. so I had to There's a lot of discovery there. Yeah, exactly. So
0: how did it change for you at all um, when you set out to write a memoir? And then what happened along the way to completing it? I mean, were there some, did you ever change direction or change course or were you, did you make some discoveries that sort of altered how you wanted
1: to handle it? Um, No, well, not structurally Mm -hmm. or the, or the, the aim, the, the the structure didn't never change, and the purpose never mm-hmm. changed. Like those two things were very clear for me from the very beginning. I knew that I wanted to structure it in this strange way, where I'm telling the story forward in time and back, with, you know, mm-hmm. in time at the same time, so that I end in the middle. I knew that I wanted to do that, mm-hmm. and and so you know, I just had to make it work, you know. Right. Um, and so my editor was really helpful with mm-hmm. helping me try to figure out like how to make that work. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the of the book you know, you know, the, so the question that I was asking, right, is why an epidemic of these young black men dying? With? Why would that occur in the kind of place that I'm from? And so I was yet trying to use my family's life as context to figure out, my life as context to figure out why something like that would happen. And I think I reached, you know, a, a sort of, you know, a conclusion in the end. But I do think, so those two things never changed, but I do think that while I was writing the book, that there there were, I mean, there were constant discoveries, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. every day, um, you know, I I felt, every day that I worked on this, I felt like there was always a point where something occurred to me, or I realized, or someone Mm -hmm. would tell me a story, you know, and and reveal something about one of the young men in the book, Mm -hmm. Um, or there was some sort of connection that I would make, you know, some sort of narrative connection, right, that that I would make, between different events, right, or or some sort of, let's see, or I would look at, you know, maybe what I was doing, say, as a 12-year-old, mm-hmm. and um, and before, you know, I had only written about it, but then when I was going back into revising the memoir, then I could look at that, you know, my actions as a 12-year-old and suddenly realize why I did what I did and mm-hmm. what I was thinking, you know. So, so in that way, you know, the book constantly challenged me because... Um, because you know, because I did, because there were all these really small revelations. I think that happened, that happened throughout of it. And the reason that the, throughout, it, and the reason that they did was because I um was because you know the first draft of this memoir was very rough because it was a catalog of events. Mm. Um, and because the events were so painful for me to write about, and I didn't even realize that I was doing it. But as mm. I wrote the first draft, I was just saying, okay, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this person did this, and then this happened. And that's all the book was. So there wasn't any of that n- narrative connected to, so oh, I, I wasn't, you know, trying to find reasons or explanations or, you know, linking. You were just chronicling what happened. Exactly. Okay. And so the process of revision took me a really long time, and I had to go through multiple drafts wow. because. I had to put all that in there, and mm-hmm. my agent—I mean, my, my my agent, my editor—is a fantastic editor, and she was able to point me. I mean, she did a very close and thorough read of the manuscript and wrote extensive notes on it, mm-hmm. and was able to point me, you know, to each place where I needed to open the, open the story up, you know, and mm-hmm. find meaning in it because I hadn't been doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the magic happens, don't you think? Yeah. I mean yeah. those are like all those very unique individual moments. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And but I just
1: couldn't see it because I was so I think I was I was afraid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and and you know, because I I'm so I I was afraid and because of that time of my life it was so hard for me to live through. I just think that e and even though because this you know, what I'm writing about here ended in well, the last young man died in 2004, and so even though I began working on this in 2010, actually writing it, so six years had passed since the last young man died, since Raj died. Ten years at that point had passed since my brother died, but still, it, it felt very fresh. And so, I mean, it was really, it was hard. It was mm. difficult. So,
0: um, would you? I mean, would you, would you see this as in some way creating? a kind of written legacy mm-hmm. of these men. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair it's not, to say. I mean, you are asking this question and presenting some um, potential answers for yeah. why this happened mm-hmm. and why this is happening, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. then there's another really um, touching personal part of it, mm-hmm. right, that's mm-hmm. sort of paying tribute to them as well.
1: Yeah, that, And then that's part of what I wanted to do when I wrote the book. You know, I wanted to ask and, and, and find my way to an answer, mm-hmm. right? Ask that question to find my way to an answer, but I also um, you know, I wanted them to live on the page again for a little bit. You know, and mm-hmm. I wanted, you know, the young, the the young men that I knew and loved to um, to live for the reader in a, in, a, in in such a way um, that hopefully, you know, I mean, I know, you know, I only give them chapters at a time, but that mm-hmm. the reader, when they encountered them, would still would still see them as you know as complex people mm-hmm. and you know when they're done with their section really I mean of course the reader won't feel the loss that I, but the way I felt the loss because they didn't you know they're, they're not me but I hope that the reader feels something something of mm-hmm. that loss yeah. um so yeah so I did intend for it to be um you know a sort of I guess a, a tribute to mm-hmm. each other I didn't want to honor, honor them in that way and mm-hmm. I and the thing is is I know that some people in my community there's even some people in my own family who don't like what i've done you know and i think that in personally i think the reason that they don't like what i've done is because you know i've the 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 sections on the young men the portraits that i paint of them you know they're not they're not sanitized mm-hmm. you know they um you know i had to be i i felt like you know that that I felt like I had to be honest because that's what a memoir demands, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um and so I knew that I had to tell the truth, but then I had to figure out okay, so how much of the truth will I tell, mm-hmm. right? And um and, and 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 even then, you know, I could have um I could have not doctored the truth, but just decided that the the truth that I would tell would reflect on the young men in a positive light like totally you mm-hmm. know and I could have portrayed them as having no flaws whatsoever but I didn't want to do that because I wanted them to be I wanted them to be complicated and I wanted them to be human you know because I think that you know if you're going to tell someone if you tell a good story about someone that that's what that's what engages people you know um you know that that shared that shared common humanity you know that mm-hmm. people encounter that sense of, of what it's like to be human you know that people encounter in, in work um, in artistic work i think that that's what pulls that's what makes someone invest in your story so i wanted them right. to be human um, and i wanted to be honest about you know some of those hard things that i wrote about because i want people i want i want people to start asking questions about these things mm-hmm. you know and talking about them and i want them to be you know like I, like okay so the conversation which i could have decided not to include it in the memoir when I write about a conversation I had with my brother. We're outside. He's 14. He tells me he was so, and he was told me that he was selling crap, right? right? I could not have put that in. I know that it would have made my mother much happier if I hadn't put that in, mm-hmm. right? And so I have to live with that now, right, that I've hurt her in some respect because I did choose to put that in. But the reason that I put it in wasn't to shock. It's not to shock anyone. It's not to, and it's not to shame anyone I'm not, and or to embarrass You know anyone in my family? The reason I put it in is because I want people to start asking questions, right? Like, why would why why would a fourteen-year-old think that this is a viable option? You know, why why is it okay? Why is no one asking that question about young black males? You know, that are fourteen that are choosing to do this. Why is no one asking that question? Um, You know, why is why is it okay then for you know for this fourteen-year-old black boy to do this and nobody? you know there's nothing there's nothing to like counteract that Mm. and yet it's not okay for like a white you know 14 Mm -hmm. year old boy to decide that he's just gonna start selling crack you know Mm -hmm. like that's the reason that I wrote about that because I want people to start asking those questions and thinking about um thinking about those those things and thinking about you know what it is thinking about our culture right and how our our culture is sort of you know just sort of tacitly sort of says it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. for that 14-year-old black men have to make this decision, you know, mm-hmm. or, I don't know, or, or, or says that it's okay, that, you know, that they're self-medicating with, you know, with different drugs, and that's, and, you know, and that's okay, you know, and some people are trying to fight that and trying to, you know, present them with other opportunities or other visions of what's possible, but the majority, you know, of people and this entire culture, I think, is not at all, mm-hmm. so... So yeah, so I want people to begin to I want, that's the reason why I share those hard truths because mm-hmm. I want people to begin talking about about these things and mm-hmm. to realize that, that this stuff is problematic, that it's not okay
0: Right, yeah and I mean, that, actually that's exactly how I read it when I read that scene with you and your brother because I was really rooting for your brother and it seemed like um, it seemed like a, it was a surprise in that way, that it seemed like he was such a good person and yeah. had all these things going for him, and you had a great relationship, and you were kind of a support mm-hmm. for him. And so it was sort of like, oh, is that re-? like, like you said, it seemed like he was kind of out of other yeah. choices. Yeah. So I thought that was very effective, definitely. So um, since we're talking about legacy and you've written a memoir. How how are you feeling about legacy right now? Because you, you know you're young to write a memoir, and so I'm sure that comes into your thinking. I mean, do you think about your legacy as a writer?
1: You know, it's funny. Somebody asked me this question last night because they they were asking me. Well, they asked when they asked me this question. They said, you know, so are you already thinking about your legacy, and are you setting goals? Because mm. you are thinking about your legacy, you know, you're saying, "Okay, I want to get this many stories per year published in the New Yorker, and I want to, you know, I want to win this fellowship by the time I'm this age, or you know, within the next couple of mm. years." And so, my answer to that question, at least in regards to like, you know, official, I guess, you know, uh, uh, you know, honors, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't, I can't think about that that. I can't think about my legacy in those terms because if I do then I can't work exactly I yeah. can't write anything um, I can't create because I'm bogged down by the, by those expectations when I went in truth I already feel some of that pressure just because I won the National Book Award you know mm-hmm. and I, I didn't feel as much of that pressure with memory reaps partly because when I won the National Book award I'd already written, the entire first draft. It was a bad first draft, since I had a first draft, um, and plus it's in a completely different genre, so for me, just those same the pressures weren't there. Versus now, when I'm sitting down and trying to be in a new novel, mm-hmm. that pressure is there. So I, I can't I don't think about my legacy, you know, in those terms. I try not to, you know, because mm-hmm. I because because I can't I can't create um, because I'd just be I'd be shuttered by self doubt. I wouldn't. I couldn't be to, I couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, think, you know, I, I, I joke around and I say that I hope that I have, I, that I never have to do this again, as far as writing mm. a memoir, you know. And if this is it for me, as far as you know, long form creative nonfiction goes, then that's great. Then, I, then I'm satisfied with this because I think that it tells, you know, it tells it, it tells a, an important. It tells a. It's. Imp, I think it, it tells a good story. It tells an important story, mm-hmm. right? About right. you know a very trying time in my life, um, and I think that it's you know that it's trying to communicate, and um, making some pretty audacious claims, um, and so I'm satisfied with that, you know, and I can return to fiction now, and, uh, and still write about you know the community that I love, mm. you know. In, or you know in the kind of people that I grew up with in my fiction and be happy. You know? mm-hmm. But I just think that that the, that the events that I write about in this book were so traumatic for me um, that, um, that I couldn't write about them in fiction because I thought about it, you know mm-hmm. but I mean who's gonna believe this who's, who would believe that in fiction? I feel like if I workshopped a short story where mm-hmm. you know or workshopped a novel, I'd be like, it's I mean, too, much. Yeah, it's it's too much. It doesn't make any sense. I
0: can't believe <laughs> That would never all happen exactly. to <laughs> one person. Exactly. And so,
1: so yeah, so I had to tell, you know, I had to tell that story in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a memoir. Um, but yeah, but I, yeah, so I'm returning to fiction and um, and I try not to think about my legacy yeah. too much, you know, in regards to what I'm trying to produce now and what I'll produce in the future just because... Um, because it's, it's a lot of pressure. Oops, sorry, interruption.
0: (laughs) Um, well, okay, so there's the professional legacy, and then there's also the personal legacy. So, um, now if we get personal, Mm -hmm. you're a mother. So, um, in my experience, becoming a parent, shifts the idea of legacy in huge ways, right? So, I, so what are, I mean, has that, how has that changed for you, assuming that it has? I mean, do you, is there, do you separate the sort of professional and personal, or are you kind of all mixed up like most of
1: us? I am probably all mixed yeah. up. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I she's, she's only a year, so I'm getting oh, new at this. Um, congratulations. Um, That's so lovely. But, you know, it's, you know, it's part of the reason that I included her. Her briefly mm-hmm. mention of her briefly near the end of the novel, just because I mean the memoir, because you know because I I because I'm aware you know I'm am t- speaking about specifically about my my mother's legacy and how I had misread her legacy when I was younger mm. right? when I was when I was 12 13 and through my teenage years I'd really misread my my, my mother's legacy and then it took me you know writing writing, and not just the memoir, but also my novels, you know, and, and, um, and just, you know, growing up, you know, and, Mm. um, and, uh, and then looking at my mother's life and my, you know, my mother's and my father's relationship with a clear eye, Mm. um, it really took that in order for me to realize, you know, what my mother's true legacy was, and then to relate that to my, to my daughter, right, and, Mm. and realize, you know, that, that. I would like to pass those things you know the things that my mother taught me about just resilience you know Mm -hmm. strength um, um, that I would like to pass those down you know to my to my daughter and Mm -hmm. I do you know I it's another one of those reasons that I that that I think that that I am able to to really believe in the book in the memoir Mm -hmm. because I because like I said I want people to be able to talk about these things because i want part of my legacy to my daughter to be that maybe i've made this world a little safer for her mm-hmm. you know? and maybe when she's you know 17 18 i don't have i have perhaps i will have to worry a little bit less about her dying young mm-hmm. or you know suffering from you know self-loathing because the world that's what the world has communicated to her you know about her self-worth um, and so i hope that I hope that happens, you know, I mm-hmm. hope that's what, that's part of what I can, I can pass on to her. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're raising her mm-hmm. near where you grew up, yes. right? So it's, she has the same family mm-hmm. network. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty special. Yeah. That's
1: really, neat. Yeah. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, I want, you know, because I've had, um, you know, I've been on the job market a couple of different times. I've had offers to leave, mm-hmm. um, you know, leave, you know, Southern Mississippi and go elsewhere. But... I'm, you know, I would like to give her that opportunity to grow up with that kind of huge extended family and that mm-hmm. real sense of community that existed because I think that, that that it is special and it's hard to find that and it's hard to, you know, I mean, it can you can I think you can replicate it, you know. I, I have plenty of friends who live in, you know, don't live in the places where they grew up in. Mm-hmm. They do. They have a real community, you know, right, real sure. sense of large, uh, like a like a you know full extended family yeah you know, because definitely. of all of their friends. And, mm-hmm. But but I I don't know, I just feel like since it's in my power to give that to her, you know, that um, that I'd like to, you know, give her the opportunity to grow mm-hmm. up in a place like that. But at the same time I also know that I you know we I didn't have those these opportunities because because, you know, we were poor. Um And, uh, and you know, when the resources that my mom had were really limited, right? So I, but, but, you know, but I have more resources, you know, and I, so I would like to provide her with, um, with, so not only that like sense of rootedness, right. That she'll get Mm -hmm. in a place like that, but also, you know, like she's with me on book tour, you know, I mean, I know she's one, she probably won't remember a lot, (laughs) but I would like to, you know, take her out into the world and, um, I don't know, just give her a broader sense of what's possible, Mm. Um, and uh, it, which I think I hope will will mean that she'll have a greater sense of her self worth. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, and you were a big reader as mm-hmm. a child, and so now you're able to introduce books yes. to her. Yes. We're only from reading. from day one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's great. What did you have favorite books as a child? Did yes. you read series? Yes. Like, what, what were
1: some big ones? Oh Lord. Um. I loved books when I was a kid you know I was like we didn't have money to buy many books my mom did buy me some, buy some books right mm-hmm. but then you know of course when she and my, when she and my dad split up there wasn't that, that money wasn't there mm-hmm. anymore and so um so I would just like live in the, the, my school libraries mm-hmm. right and um and so I read I loved The Secret Garden I loved Roll of Thunder Hear My Cry I loved From the Mixed Up Files and Missed Mrs Bosley oh me. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I loved Harriet the spy um I ended up reading all of the um you know I would read a lot of like um you know beverly cleary a lot of Judy bloom mm-hmm. um I ended up reading like the all of Anne of green gables and and then i would then I would stumble upon stuff like you know little women in the in mm-hmm. the library i'd read i read little women when I was younger um i re- I read what else did I read? I, lo- I read this book that I love to this day called The Hero and the Crown.
0: Hmm, and it's I by, that one.
1: I think Robin McKinley, I wanna say. And she writes sort of like, she wrote YA before YA was a genre. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. And I didn't realize this when I was eight and I was reading the book and I, there was some stuff that I was gay, but then, um, but then a lot of it I wasn't. Um, but then I realized it when I got older and the more that I read. But, I, but then, you know, because I've thought about this before, you know, i thought about like all the books that I loved and read when I was a kid. Mm. And I think that part of the reason that I specifically love those books so much is because, oh, like Island of Blue Dolphins, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's because those books were about young women, you know, they were the central protagonists and they were fighting against things that were greater. Mm. Than they were, right? And um, all of you know, all of them were. I feel like, and so, and that's what I found myself like now that I'm an adult, and I think back on it, and I I think that's what I was drawn to over and over again. Wow, that's so interesting. So it's like I saw because I think even dimly then I knew, you know, that I was little in the big world, and there was Mm -hmm. a lot that I would have to fight, you know, struggle against and fight against. And so I was encountering these girls in the the, in the in these kids books, and I. And I saw something of myself. Mm-hmm.
0: in the of the <laughs> More noise. You're also making me realize how many good books we had what as they, kids. I mean, I, I don't really, really know if it books. compares now, but just that list makes me think, oh, yeah, that was a good time. It was, it we was. We had some good reads. We did. I was also really into um, Little House on the Prairie. Oh, I read the Little House on the Prairie. Did you do Okay. She, she wasn't was. really... Fighting against a grade or something, but she was growing up yeah. and kind of learning yeah. about the world in that way. That's definitely enough. a female <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, yeah, that's right enough. there.
1: Exactly. And so I was going to say this. I don't know if you want to know the answer to this question, but I'm just going to say I'm going to tell you this anyway. Good, good. So one of the things that I would like to do. I mean, when we're thinking about you know speaking of legacy, thank you very much. Sure. So oh. Is I would love to write a really good children's book. Oh. Yeah, you're sure. Where the protagonist is a girl, and I don't know what she's going to be doing or where she will be. Um, I know nothing about the story yet. I just know that that's one of the things that I want to do in my career because reading meant so much to me when I was a kid, and and, and it meant meant so much to me to like find these girls in these books and to you know to follow them. Um, have them, you know, sort of open my world up. Mm-hmm. And so and I wanna do that for some kid, you know, who's like Oh you should you know, who's like who's like living out in the, you know, country in North Dakota or something. You know, like yeah. I wanna do that for that for that it's little great. Moment. So I oh, really you should. would like to.
0: I'm sure your daughter will help yeah, yeah. So you'll, you'll find out like what she likes and doesn't yeah. like well my daughter's five and a half mm-hmm. and so she just got into um, Charlotte's Web oh. that's another good one because she's just Charlotte's starting name. to read to herself um, and so that's been really interesting it's yeah. fun to rediscover those books and the ones yeah. that stand the test of time yep. there's also some really bad ones yes, <laughs> so, yes. well it's just amazing yeah. to me um, I feel like it's probably a huge market mm-hmm. that I don't know much about, yeah. but there's not, but then the market of, of really great ones is actually yeah. kind of small. It is. The ones that it like is. I actually would pass down yep. to the next generation, yeah. so uh, I, will, I look forward to reading that. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other question I wanted to ask you is that um, we have this kind of ongoing question that we're asking um, people about their heroes their first heroes and we've got this online survey and people have contributed their thoughts to who their first hero was it's called who was your first hero Um, and so I just wanted to um, throw that out at you and see what what comes to mind since you're totally unprepared (laughs) and I didn't tell you this was going to happen but it seems like we're sort of circulating in that area a little bit yeah and that in the in the writing of your memoir you sort of your mom seems like a hero but she wasn't always that way and there was a really big shift in your thinking around your mom as a hero and so I was thinking about that earlier Um, but I'd love to know in you know this is a really complicated story that you're telling there aren't obvious Mm -hmm. heroes Mm -hmm. so I mean how does that and and did you have an early hero as a child?
1: Um, You know I think well I think that 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 is true, you know, that when I look, when I wrote Men We Reaped*, sort of look, and I already, I already knew this, I mean, as soon as I realized as an adult, like when I, once I was, you know, 21, that my mother was in her late 20s and had four kids to take care of by herself, you know, and we were all, you know, eight and under, you know, like I was the oldest at eight, like I, I knew then that she'd done something that was exceptional and that's very hard to do. Um, and so, and, and so I think, yeah, so I think as, as soon as I, you know, as soon as that was clear to me, right, and I could look past, I think, my own sort of, um, you know, tr- you always have a troubled history with your parents, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. no one's relationship with their parents is perfect, but as soon as I could sort of grow up and look beyond, you know, just the regular sort of parent-child dynamic, um, I think, I think I understood that, right, mm-hmm. that she was a hero, um. And, and I think in some ways that, I know this probably isn't, isn't the, expected, the answer that people expect, but I think that in some ways that when I was a kid that I, I saw my dad as a hero, mm. you know. And, and part of the reason I think that I saw him as a hero was because, you know, I, I, saw, him as a, I saw him as a child, right. And so it wasn't clear to me that... You know, it wasn't clear to me that it was, I mean, it was clear to me that it was very painful for him to leave, you know, and that and that some, something felt very wrong about him leaving us. Um, but it wasn't clear to me, you know, like the ways in which, you know, he sort of like began to like shirk his responsibilities to us as a parent, right? Um, and so I think that's why it made me easier for him to see easier for me to see him as this, you know, as this, as this hero, um, partly because he's not there all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, so when he is there, you know, it's, you know, it's amazing, you know, Mm -hmm. for me as a kid, and then partly too because, and this I still respect about him, he, my dad's a dreamer, you know, Mm -hmm. and he, and he is a nonconformist, you know, and I think that it's very hard to be both of those things as a black man in the South. You know, mm. and he and he has never lost those qualities, you know. He um, you know, he's still he you know, he still very much like values his individuality, you know. He still um, you know, he still, you know, he, he thinks he just he's he, he still has those, you know, qualities. Mm. And um and and so I love that about him, you know, when I was a kid, but as an adult, you know, I still love those things you mm-hmm. know about him and, um, and especially you know I knew at the time that he, that he had really interesting ideas about community right and about um, and about uh, about you know how to like begin to fix or begin to remedy you know some of the some of what I write about in the book right like the problematic aspects of you know of a lot of black communities mm-hmm. you know in America, and so, and so he's always had always had like really like interesting, empowering ideas about that kind of stuff. And so, you know, for that, in that respect, I think that he was you know a hero to me when I was younger. But then also when I was um, when I was older, and then unfortunately I have um, <laughs> this is probably just silly, but well, as soon as you start asking me about who my heroes were when I was younger. I'm a child of the '80s, right? You was born in '77. I grew up in the '80s, right? Okay, I'm so ready. the first thing that popped <laughs> into my head was Mary Lou Retton. Oh, well, why not? Well, because you know, I and I, I loved gymnastics when I was when I was a kid. Oh. I was no good at it. I don't have the build for it, right? I don't have any of those punching muscles that you need to right. tumble and to fly. I don't have any of those, unfortunately. I was very flexible, but I could never tumble or mm-hmm. do any of the high flying tricks, you know, the leaps and all that kind of stuff. But I loved gymnastics when I was a kid. And, you know, in 1984, the Olympics, the Summer Looks were huge. Right. The Olympics that were was huge. a big one. Yeah, and so, and then she won the all around. And she was just this, I think. You know, she was so small, and so, and it, you you would look at her and you couldn't imagine that she could do the things that mm-hmm. she could do. You know, but then, you know, so the looks were really deceiving. And then when she was performing, she was just this powerhouse. Right. And so I you know, I really loved her when I was.
0: Oh, a that's kid. great. I loved. Amanda that's ben. good. No, I like that story a lot. I mean, she was kind of she was a female hero for young girls. I mean, just like the girls you were reading about mm. you know yeah. I think that's totally that totally yeah. matches yeah. yeah well it seems like also I mean I don't know do you feel like you inherited some of your dad's qualities of being a dreamer because you went out and did this really hard thing yeah you became a writer I think so and, it, and nobody you weren't born into a family of, of writers
1: I mean it, you yeah. just totally made this happen on your own yeah, I think so yeah and, then, and it's funny because I think about how people sort of you, you know, know how they, they have never understood what he's doing, right? So he's, you know, he's trained and earned his black belt under three different masters. He, lo- he, you know, even to this day, he wants a successful kung fu school. You know, this has mm-hmm. been a dream that he's been pursuing for a long time. And then half of the people in Dalil, if you ask them what they did, they'd be like, oh, he does karate. Does, you know, like, <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't know much about, you know, what he's right, doing right. or what he is attempting to do. Um and so I think you know I I do definitely think that I get um you know I get some of that of that from him. I don't mention in the, this in the book or I might I might briefly mention it this in the book but he was an artist too. He um uh you know a visual artist. He was really good when he was in high school, you know, just like illustrated things mm-hmm. and and then he actually had a scholarship to art school and then he gave, he decided not to take it. Mm. Um because he wanted to get a job. He wanted money, you know? And he didn't want to like go to school and put and put that off, so he did. So sometimes I wonder how his life and how our lives might have been different if, I don't know, if he didn't yeah. pursue at least that, that dream. But yeah, but I definitely do think that I get, you know, get that that same, um, I don't know, that urge towards creativity, maybe, right. and then that capacity for, or that fascination with, the possible, you know, with possibility. I think I definitely get that from my dad. Mm -hmm. And you also
0: made it happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, you took it beyond just dreaming, which is really So that means I basically took, you know, the good parts of my dad and then the, you know, the drive and determination that my mom had, you know, to make the impossible happen. What a winning
0: combination. (laughs) Lucky you. Yeah. (laughs) So now when you're home, I mean, do you... You were saying how it sort of sounds like people in the community, they don't totally get like, what your dad's dreams are. And if you had those experiences, I mean, do people get
1: what you're after and I, what you're doing? I think they get what I'm after now. That wasn't mm-hmm. always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, yeah, they, I don't, that wasn't always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, when I would tell them, say, when I went to get my when I was trying to get to an MFA program, and then when I was studying to get my MFA, like, what are you getting your degree in again? Mm-hmm. You know, like, no one. They wanted to translate it into something that they were more familiar with, right? Church. Oh, she's trying to be a journalist or, you know, mm-hmm. that they can understand, but, I mean, I don't think that people, you know, because who does that, where I come from? No one just wants to go to school to get their MFA, you know? <laughs> write stories yeah, all day write long. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No one wants to do that. You know, I tell them when I was majoring in English, oh, so you want to teach, you know? And although I do teach. And right. I love teaching, right? And they're yeah, funnily enough, exactly. But um, but yeah, so I yeah, but I do I think that um, I think on the whole that they do now. Although, like I said, I mean, there are some people specifically with the memoir um, that that I don't I know that they're not pleased with with mm-hmm. it um, and so I don't think that they understand what I was trying to do mm-hmm. um, you know the you know the the effect that I was. That I, you know, the effect that I wanted to happen. I don't think that they are I think they're clear about. Yeah,
0: that. I would imagine, though, that that's a common fallout from writing a memoir yeah. for anybody, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. not being a writer myself, it just seems like that's the, like you said, that's what's required yeah. of a memoir is, is honesty. Yeah. And so it seems like you're having a the usual experience yeah. that one would have. Yeah. Um, and it's and you mentioned that you're going to go, you're going back to fiction. Mm-hmm. So is something underway? <laughs> it was this summer.
1: Um, my sister was helping me out, and she would come over and watch my kids. I was gonna say like now you, can, yeah, now help. you've got a new element yeah. to work around. So I could work, but um, but then I, I think you know I was um, then I knew that the memoir was coming out, and I think that was really you know, and I knew that I would be on tour, and I was sort of dreading you know everything about. about about that, um, because you know, I mean, writing something like this can make you feel very vulnerable, mm. um, and, uh, and 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 so I was worrying about that, and I think that that was affecting my creative process mm. because. I, you know, wrote the beginning of an album and then I decided I didn't like it and so then I tried to and so then I wrote another beginning and then I wrote another beginning and so I spent my summer writing beginnings that didn't go anywhere. Mm. Um, so but my editor told me that I should just, you know, const- you know, do this now, live in the moment, you know, um, you know, talk about men we reaped, think about men we reaped, and then in the spring <laughs> when I don't have to do any of that anymore then you know, she thinks that then I'll be able to return to the novel and actually mm-hmm. get a good beginning that has some traction yeah. and then be able to go. So that's yeah. what I'm hoping will happen.
0: It makes a lot of sense yeah, hearing it, it laid out like that. Yeah, I imagine. I know. This is very um, hard work, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm really grateful you're here talking about it because um, I imagine you've already gone through this process mm-hmm. and now you're yeah. going through it yeah. again, right, to talk about it. So... Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I'm really grateful. Um, yeah, and and thank you so much for being here and talking about it. No um, problem. Yeah, it's just it's really great to have you here and I'm um, I'm a fan of, of your work. So thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful thinking. that
1: people want to talk about
0: it. Yeah. So you yeah. know,
1: I'm you know, I'm giving thanks on the other side of the yeah.
0: equation. Yeah, well it'd be really interesting to see where you know where this discussion where this conversation sparks if it sparks and where and how it happens because it seems like this would be a contributing factor Mm -hmm. to that conversation yeah well thank you very much (laughs) thank you thank you